Straight from the 734, it's the Eastern Insider Podcast. Your chance to get in on the action. I can guarantee you it's one area of the building I won't be using because we all know how little time I'm spending in any weight room. A lot of crazy scenarios that can happen and need to happen for the defending MAC tournament champions. Uh, the assist numbers spoke for themselves. Looking forward to the trip down to Akron. Uh, sure, Akron. Now, let's send it to the guys on the inside of it all. Greg Steiner and Alex Jewell. A very happy holidays and a early Merry Christmas to you. This is Greg Steiner and the Eastern Insider Podcast. He's Alex Jewell. We thank you for tuning in and for last week, making it one of our highest rated shows of all time. More fun coming at you this week as Alex has a full prize pack. But first, uh, the recap of the week that was, Alex, what a win it was to close it out for EMU football at the factory over the weekend against NIU. Well, in a year, there hasn't been very many gifts to go around. Certainly finishing off the season with two consecutive wins was a big one that Eastern Michigan football gave to us uh, as we move forward into next year. Of course, National Signing Day this week as well, Greg. So a huge week on the gridiron, even though the season may be over in terms of its games. Coach Creighton would tell you that it's the biggest week right now as game week would be with National Signing Day. So certainly an electric game. And tomorrow, uh, hopefully some Eastern Michigan Eagles will end up on the All-Mac teams. We'll have to wait and see for that, but certainly some good performances turned in individually this year in football as well. Yeah, you look at it, Eastern Michigan finishes number one in the country in red zone efficiency. Their defense was also top 10 in red zone protection as well. So good things in store for EMU football. And yes, signing day is Wednesday. 7 a.m. letters of intent will start rolling in. We'll have full coverage on emueagles.com as well as a special signing day show on ESPN3 beginning at 11 a.m. You can catch that on any of your devices that get ESPN3. We hope that you tune in. I'll have full coverage with Coach Creighton, Jeff Collette, as well as a special guest in the voice of the Eagles on the football side of things. Matt Shepard will be in attendance. Matt Shepard, it's going to be a great show. As you mentioned, all of the great guests that we have lined up. And really, it's an exciting day for our fans, too, because it's the first look that they get at some of the Eagles that will take the field. And as a little teaser, we'll let you see during the show on Wednesday. But, Greg, one tendency of Chris Creighton's program that's really been intact his whole time here, these first-year players will have an opportunity to hit the field. Coach Creighton is not somebody who's going to make you wait. If you are ready to contribute to this team, and we think – some of these signees certainly will be. We'll get more in-depth on that, certainly, on the show. But these are names that we may see as early as next year making an impact for Eastern Michigan. And then, of course, we've seen it time and time again, right, whether it's a transfer or a true freshman coming in. Someone like a Sergio Bailey took this team to the next level in 2016. Look at someone like even Hassan Beydoun, not a signing day guy, but a walk-on who's in contention to be perhaps maybe the best walk-on in all of college football this year. He's a Warfel Trophy nominee and really it's an impressive feat yeah you look at it uh it should be a, a fun day on wednesday speaking of fun we've had plenty of to go around on the basketball court as well eastern michigan men's basketball post their largest victory ever in convocation center history as they just rolled past adrian last week 
They will not play this week and will not see them in action again until around the Christmas break uh, once more. Women's basketballs went on the road, but unfortunately was not able to come on the right side of the ledger as they drop a game at BG. But the, Alex, they get the trip to Sin City this weekend to take on some really stiff competition. They do a tough game at Bowling Green, but listen, Bowling Green's 4-0, and that doesn't happen by accident. Also, good trip to BG because Stopton got some Frickers chicken wings. If you have ever hit there, uh, you know it's a fantastic place. Holds a special spot in my heart, Greg. But you said it. They get the chance to go out to the Las Vegas Holiday Hoops Classic this week, uh, a pre-Christmas tournament. And they not only get to go out and play, but they get to play a very, very good team. Gonzaga is their first opponent, and they cracked in to the top 25 nationally last week. So an early test. There's nothing like coming off of a, a tough MAC loss and then having to play a top-ranked team in the country. That'll uh, really tell you where you're at early on in the season. And then they finish that tournament up with Tarleton State. The Texans making their debut as a Division I team this year. So certainly a lot of action coming your way before the holidays, and uh, we're excited that you'll have an, a chance to keep up with the Eagles right up until Christmas break. As Alex and I told you about last week, when you listen into this podcast, you have a chance to take home some EMU swag. Last week, we had you listen for the keyword. We'll have you listen once more for the keyword in this show. Our special guest this week, as we close out the calendar year, it's our final show of 2020. And we figured 2020 has been bad for everybody. So we'll go to the guy in charge of everything Mac-related in the commissioner himself, Dr. John Steinbrecher, making his inaugural appearance here on the Eastern Insider Podcast. And say what you want about Commissioner Steinbrecher or the decisions he's made. He is a guy that puts student-athlete first in every one of his decisions, and that's been evident in everything that he's done in this season. Not only that, but there is almost nobody in intercollegiate athletics that has the experience that John Steinbrecher do, uh, does when you think about his trip uh, as a commissioner, he's been a commissioner of three different conferences, all at the Division One level. Certainly, uh, he uses that journey in some of the decision-making. And, Greg, it's really a great interview. It's almost 30 minutes long. We're going to split it up into two segments. And he talks about everything from the growth of the conference to Maction, which we know everybody loves, to even some of his, uh, his favorite meals in the kitchen. So it's certainly a great interview to get you into the holiday break. And like Greg said, remember... We have the giveaway again this week. In between the Steinbrecher interview, you're going to want to listen really close to that commercial because there is a keyword. Now, we're going to make it a little easier on you. You'll actually hear me say the keyword is, and then you'll be able to do that. Remember, message us on Facebook or Twitter what that keyword is. You'll automatically be entered. Uh, another great prize pack this week uh, from our friends at Adidas and the Eastern Michigan Equipment Office, so we can't thank them enough. And, uh, Greg, I think that... We're probably talking too much, so it's probably time to get uh, everybody to our interview with John Steinbrecher. Time to get to the commish, but before we do, Merry Christmas to everybody out there. We'll see you in 2021 for hopefully a season that will see plenty of MAC championships raised. Be sure to download the Eastern Michigan Game Day app, available in the App Store and Google Play. The EMU Athletics app features live video, real-time social streams, scoreboards, stats, and more. An entire app dedicated to Eastern Athletics. Download the EMU Athletics app today.
Usually our guest each week focuses strictly on Eastern Michigan, but this week we go a little further outside the Eastern Michigan campus boundaries as we're joined by the eighth commissioner in Mid-American Conference history, Dr. John Steinbrecher, who took over the at the league office in 2009. Commissioner, first off, thanks for joining us this morning and uh, happy holidays to you and your family. Thank you so much and it's good to be with you. We appreciate your time as always. It's got to have been a, a whirlwind of the last eight months for you and I'm sure uh, you probably never expected to spend this much time with with politicians and, and doctors and, and lawyers as you have. How, how have the last eight months been for you on a personal level? <laughs> it, it's, it's been an interesting period of time, hasn't it? And it has for all of us. And, and uh, I, I guess what I, what I continually, people ask you, well, how are you doing? How are you doing? And I say, you know what? Given the circumstances, I'm doing very well. And I am. Uh, I'm healthy. My family's healthy. And, and many, many people haven't been able to say that. It has, regardless of what enterprise or in, uh, industry you work in, uh, there's been um, unforeseen challenges uh, put in front of you. And so you just deal with them. And what it's led to is um, a, a great deal of communication among all of our involved parties. We spend a lot of time talking with each other. Uh, you take uh, decisions as they come because there are generally issues coming up on a daily and weekly basis that you have to manage and, and try and get through. Uh, we've counseled, you know, this is one of those years where there's going to need to be a great deal of patience, a great deal of understanding. It's going to depend on the integrity of all involved. And uh, we've kind of just uh, slowly but surely waded our way through these things. An interesting time for everybody. If, if you look back on your career choice, I, I meet with a lot of students who come in in college and and all that's, they all tell me, oh, my eventual goal is I want to be an athletic director or I want to be this or that. I've never met anyone who's come in the door and said, I want to be a conference commissioner. You're, <laughs> you're, you've been lucky enough to have served at all three levels of the, the division one subdivisions. How, how was it that you first uh, yeah. started to get in line to, to want to be a commissioner? Yeah, I didn't grow up saying I wanted to be a college intercollegiate athletics commissioner either. Um, I, I, I won't say I fell into it, but I, I, I fell into the conference realm. Uh, my goal was always to be an athletics director and be on a campus, um, but I ended up in a conference. And you know, as it turns out, I was at a conference for five years. They lost their commissioner. They did a national search, and all of a sudden, I'm the youngest Division One commissioner in the in the country. Back when I was 32 years old, and so there I am. I'm a, a conference commissioner, and it's just where I've stayed. And so it's it's one of those things. You know, you start going down these Robert Frost poems about you know, come to a fork in the road and which way do you go and all those things. You know, I ended up at a conference, and and so I embraced that and the different challenges that come with it. If you're on a campus, um, there are some wonderful, wonderful things about that. I grew up on a college campus. My dad was a was a coach, was a professor, was an athletics director. You have such a sense of community when you're on a campus. You have a team that you're rooting for. You have, you know, and all that that brings with it. When you're on a 
in a conference office, it's a little different. You don't, I root for 12 teams, right? Uh, when they're, they're non-conference games, I root like crazy for them. When we're in conference play, I'm not rooting for anybody. You're just hoping for good competition. And so where, where I um, embrace my position is the chance to bring together a group of institutions and get them to buy into a, a, a set of collective goals and a shared vision and move towards those goals. And that's where uh, I take the joy in, in my position. Been lucky enough to, to have known you since you took over in, in 2009. And one of the things that I know about you is you, you played both football and tennis at, at Valparaiso. And being a former student athlete, getting the, the joy and the ability to stand out there and hand somebody a conference championship after they just won. What is that feeling like? And do you go back through your head, uh, back to the playing days and think, wow, this is pretty special? Well, absolutely. Because I, I, I very much understand uh, the importance uh, to our student athletes of our conference championships. You know, they're culminating events. They, they, in some cases, they've been pointing their whole life towards that moment. Uh, working years and years and years to excel at, at an elite level. And, and so, yeah, I, I, I relish that opportunity to interact and watch the student athletes perform and to deal um, not only with their successes, but also t- sometimes when they come up short and uh, the learning experiences and, that you go through with that because there's, there's two sides to that coin, right? And, and, but that's part of it. That's part of why we believe uh, intercollegiate athletics really fits within the model of higher education because of the educational experiences, the growth experiences, the learning experience. It's, in fact, a learning laboratory. And so you you deal with both of those. You've talked quite a lot in the last eight months about the challenges that the job has certainly seen. And so I don't want to harp on that, but obviously your position also has a lot of benefits as well in terms of the experiences you get to be a part of and help our student athletes have when you think about bowl games or championship experiences, like you may have just said. Is there any one particular in your time in the MAC, one game, one experience where you look back even today and just say, wow, and it still just, you know, takes your breath away that you were a part of that? Every year something occurs that I, that I, 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 I truly relish, but there's, um, the chance to help and create bowl games. Uh, I remember the first time we announced uh, who our participant was in the Bahamas Bowl. Uh, and, and Central Michigan did such a wonderful job of that announcement. And I saw how excited the kids were. And that was so meaningful. Uh, I'll tell you what, a couple of weeks ago, I was at our cross country championship. We were able to finally hold a championship this fall. And uh, it was so enjoyable to be out there to watch the kids have a chance to compete. And they were so thrilled to be able to have that opportunity. And just that was one of the really big positives I've had for this year. I know Greg and I certainly remember our 5 a.m. Bahamas Bowl announcement a couple of years back, and, and we'll always look back on that fondly. You know, a lot of our listeners have gotten to know college level, this level where there's an obvious hierarchy. Coaches go to administrators. Administrators are working with doctors and maybe the president of the university to make decisions. When it all comes together at the conference level, the buck stops with you. So the question I think that a lot of our listeners would have is, where do you go for advice and who are you communicating with 
basis to make decisions. And with that, how important is it to have people with you like a Bob Gerinelli or a Jeremy Guy uh, to help you along the way with those things? Well, certainly it's critical to have a very talented staff. And, and I'm fortunate that we've um, been able to attract and retain very, very good people. You mentioned a Bob Generelli, a, a Jeremy Guy, a, a Jeff Bacon, a Corinth Patterson. A, a, um, uh, I'm, I know I'm leaving people off, or Ricky Stokes. Uh, we go on and on, right? And, and every, every staff would point to, or every athletics director or president would point to really key people. In my case, I spend a lot of time, I'll talk to our leadership in our league, whether it's presidents or athletics directors or others. Um, you know, generally the decisions we make are collective decisions. So it's, it's trying to build, again, what, what are the issues? How, how do we get there? And let's work collaboratively to do it. You know, I spend a lot of time talking with the other FBS commissioners uh, and then all Division I commissioners in general. Uh, we're generally meeting once or twice a week, talking through an array of issues. And then there's just colleagues you have, right? Whether they're in this industry or in other industries, and you can always learn from that um, um, skills or, or uh, around management and administration uh, carry over across enterprises. Uh, there's some cultural things you have to be aware of, but uh, that's what I, I try to uh, take tidbits from everybody I run into. Speaking with Dr. John Steinbrecher, Commissioner of the Mid-American Conference, when you, you look at the MAC and so many people on a national level look at, at the Power Five uh, conferences and the MAC with being in the quote-unquote group of five, but that's not stopped the league from being at the forefront of a, a, a number of, of issues, be it diversity and inclusion, whether it's uh, mental health. I know you take great pride in, in putting student athletes first and being at the forefront of making sure that you're working the best needs of the student athlete. How important are initiatives like that? And, and what's made the MAC so, so good at being out in front of some of those issues? Well, it's at, I'd, I'd like to think it's at the heart of, of what we do. I guess that's for others to make that judgment. I can say it is a little self-serving, but I, but I think we walk the walk. Part of it is we've worked uh, diligently to integrate our student-athlete or student-athlete voice into what we do. We've reached out to them. We've asked questions. We've listened. I could go back. The, the rules the NCAA has right now around time obligations, time demands, really came from rules that our league crafted after we had a long discussion with our student athletes. We started talking about that issue. And so I challenged our conference student athlete advisory committee to draft a white paper on that and give us recommendations. And we got back a series of recommendations. And from that, we set what ended up being policy for us on number of hours a week you could be practicing in season, out of season, various other activities and things like that. That became the template for what was adopted by the NCA. And it's because we asked our student athletes. We actually changed what was then our conference SAC, our conference student athlete advisory committee, and integrated it within our governance system. It's now the council of student athletes, which is in the governance system with our council of presidents, council of directors of athletics, council of senior administrators, council of faculty reps. It's how we went down the road of, of mental health. And again, we're going back six or seven years, but 
on a fairly regular basis, I get around to our campuses, sit down with our individual um, student athlete advisory committees at each campus, and I'll ask various questions. That one year I asked, if we could spend some more time or put some attention on something, what should it be? And it was fascinating. That year across the board, it came back, you know what, maybe we ought to be focused on mental health. Okay, well, we spent 18 months studying it, trying to figure out, well, what would we do? What should we be doing? And from that, we set some baseline expectations, some best practices, and put in place an array of programming things that continue to this day, whether it's an annual mental health summit. Each year, we have a mental health awareness week. Our student athletes have really embraced it. And I think it's, again, provided services back to our student athletes that were invaluable, but it really centers around education and awareness in, in regards to mental health and that what, what are mental health issues um, and how, how can we, okay, I've, I've got anxiety, I've got depression, I've got an eating disorder, I got whatever it may be, what do we do about it? And why is it important we do something about it? Because we know that for a student athlete to perform as well as they can, whether it's in the classroom or on the field of competition, they have to be physically fit, physically in the right place. They need to be mentally in the right place. Their heart, their spirit needs to be in the right place. And so we need alignment with all of that. So we need to think about or removing the stigma from mental health issues. And our student athletes came up with this great phrase of it's, it's okay to not be okay. And so we talk start talking about and working with our administrators and our coaches and understanding that. And so as issues pop up, we don't, we eliminate that stigma. We think about it in terms of dealing with depression. We're going to hide about that. No, we're going to treat it like we treat a sprained ankle. We're going to be upfront about it. We're going to manage it appropriately. And we're going to help kids when they need their assistance. We've done the same thing through diversity, equity, and inclusion and tried to, in our case, we studied it for a while and said one of the things we could do to, to assist is broaden the pipeline to try and bring a more diverse set of people into the enterprise. And so we set up internships across our campuses and the, and the conference office to try and get people in that pipeline. We set up a mentorship program in our uh, for people we have on staff already. Things like that to, again, what are some steps, positive steps we can do? And then this year, we've had a series of educational initiatives. We've had a series of, of essentially Zoom meetings, but meetings and seminars with guest speakers talking about all sorts of things about uh, allyship and microaggressions and just, uh, again, talking about what are the issues, how do we identify the issues, and what do we do about it so that we can translate issues into action. And uh, in this case, Kristen Williams has really done a phenomenal job this year of programming us, and I, ex I expect more to come on that. Just a follow-up on that. You, you look at, at student-athletes, and they drive so much the conversation. When, when you talk about things like this, how, how difficult has it been to educate some of the, student, uh, student, some of the coaches and administrators who, who for a long time the stigma was, yeah, just rub some dirt on it, move on. You know what? I've been incredibly impressed, um, I don't know, with our student athletes, with our coaches and administrators, and how they've dug into all of these issues and embraced all of these issues. And I, th I, th I think it's part of the DNA of this league, and it's, it, it's certainly 
uh, was established long before I showed up. But I think there's always been a pride in this league about how we lift up the student athlete and the, where we put this student athlete in terms of importance. Uh, there's some things we can do uh, that don't always cost a lot of money. Uh, they sometimes take some time and energy, but we've embraced those things and, and we've put the time and effort into that. I think it's been a phenomenal undertaking. I, I applaud you and, and everybody who's been a part of, of making it happen and, and really treating our student athletes with the utmost respect through all of this. Looking for a ride? Trinity Transportation has the vehicle for you. From luxurious motor coaches to cozy sedans, Trinity Transportation is prepared to take you to your destination. Check out their fleet of vehicles at trinitytransportation.com or call 877-284-4200 to book today. That's trinitytransportation.com or 877-284-4200. Trinity Transportation, the official transportation provider of Eastern Michigan Athletics. Hey, Eastern fans, did you know the men's cross-country team won the Mid-American Conference Championship on November 21st in Bowling Green? That was the team's 24th all-time conference title and 14th in the last 16 seasons. Head coach Sue Parks made history as well because she became the first female coach to lead a men's cross-country team to a championship. That's why today's keyword is champion. Now back to the interview with Mid-American Conference Commissioner John Steinbrecher. Turning the table, you, you look at it and, and we see the, the branding behind you, the, the banner that says, get some action. Uh, it, it's, it doesn't always happen that you, you have something that becomes a cultural phenomenon. Action has been, people know it, people see it, people embrace it. When, when you look at it, uh, one, did you ever in your wildest dreams envision Maction taking off the way it has? And two, just the way people seem to, to gravitate towards the phrase Maction and what it means to them. You know, it's, it's uh, phenomenal that we've come up with this catchphrase that paints a picture for people and immediately they can identify it with, with our group of schools. That's unique, largely among conferences. It's, it's very rare. And, and no, I don't know that you could ever have imagined it. Maybe you could hope for something like that, but it's, uh, you know, it's where preparation meets opportunity, I guess, to start throwing out cliches, but we, we had something and we ran with it quite. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. And then kaboom. And then you kind of, you feed the beast and you make sure you reinforce it. And it's, it's uh, a lot of different pieces all together. Uh, it starts with, you know, having really good and exciting teams that, that do phenomenal things on the field of competition. But, and then we have a catchphrase that helps capture that excitement uh, around it. And, and then it goes from there. Really good TV partners, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And off we go. And certainly a big factor that's led to that explosion has been the TV side of things. And whether it's the national contracts with the ESPN uh, midweek maction, or even at the school level, the productions that we're seeing out of, out of the schools, how important have those partnerships with TV uh, stations like ESPN become in expanding the brand? Well, it's um, the, the growth of our television has helped move the Mid-American Conference from being what the, was a really nice regional conference to being a, a really good national conference. 
I think our coaches would speak to the fact they can go anywhere in the country and recruit, walk in the door. People know who they are. They know they can see their teams, things like that. It's, 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 again, it's not any one thing, but you need – you need a host of things to all come together. You need good presidents and athletic directors who hire really good head coaches, who put good staffs together, who recruit motivated student athletes, who develop and then do exciting things. And then we have the vehicles to provide exposure for those things that they are doing. And then that all comes together. So it's, it's a lot of things and we need all of them uh, for it to work. Well, and along with that, you know, in certain conferences, and obviously not going to pick one out, there's clear divides between maybe the top part of the conference and the bottom part of the conference. When you turn on a matching game, whether it's football or you're talking about really any sport in this conference, one thing that people say all of the time is there is no difference between the top and the bottom. You're always going to see exciting competition. What does that say about the league and what you just said about the individual institutions that you get to work with? that across the board, across all of our sports, the competition is really, really fair uh, across the board. Generally speaking, across our sports, we have very, very balanced competition. And, and there are probably an array of reasons for that. Um, one, we have, if we would look at expense budgets across our conference, we have the smallest delta or smallest difference between the, the largest budget and the smallest budget no one is out resourcing somebody else by and large. And so if a team is having success, it's because they've put the pieces together and they've got the right people there doing it, whether it's administrators, coaches, student athletes, et cetera. Uh, it's not necessarily about facilities and all these other things. These are all nice. That adds to it. But it's truly a people business. And the schools that, that make the right decisions there you know, they, they do some wonderful things. And then it's, it goes to, we're just a conference of very similar institutions. You know, we're 12 public institutions, all national research institutions, all pretty close geograph geographic proximity, you know, a host of things there. If there's a challenge at one institution in our league, it's probably a challenge at another institution in our league. Again, that great similarity is one of the strengths of our league. Um, and it's, it, it's um, not everybody can speak to that. Once upon a time, conferences were made up of like institutions. Over the years, particularly after over the past, I'd say, 30 plus years, that's changed. Been a host of reasons why certain conferences have come into being and who are members of them. Um, you know, if you look at the Big Ten, they're, they're a conference of like institutions. The Pac-12 is a conference of like institutions. The Ivy League is the Mid-American Conference is, those are strengths to our leagues. Commissioner, you, you look at, at Eastern Michigan over your, your tenure, and we, we proudly carry the, the banner that since 1973, we've won 151 MAC team championships, which is the most of any school in the league over that span. But during your tenure, you, you've seen a lot of evolution here. Heather, like uh, certainly Heather changed the culture. Scott Weatherby has followed up, uh, bringing football back to national prominence. You've seen three bowls in the last four years. You've seen a, a football end zone building come online. What have you, from a conference perspective, been able to see out of Eastern Michigan and, and kind of the, the trajectory that we've been on over the last decade plus? Well, uh, what I've seen is phenomenal growth. And I'll point, you asked a question early on about magical moments. 
Um, I could point to last, what was it, December 26th or whatever the date was, uh, when we're in Detroit and we come out and um, how many Eastern Michigan fans were there? It was unbelievable. Ford Field was green. Um, that was, to me, that was a, that was a, a stake in the ground moment uh, for the conference, uh, for Eastern Michigan University, speaking about what is possible. And it's, again, it, it starts with uh, having a belief that you can do certain things, uh, making appropriate investments, uh, and getting the right people in place. And, and then, boy, to see the student-athletes compete, and, and Coach Creighton and his staff have just done a phenomenal job. But, you know, you point to uh, Eastern Michigan is truly one of the winningest programs in the history of our league across all of our sports. It speaks to um, the expectations of excellence that are held at the institution. As you look at the next moments for the MAC that's upcoming, all, all too often people – wonder how things are going to come out after the pandemic. We, we've certainly seen sport cuts, eliminations around the league, but brighter days are ahead. Everybody anticipates that. What do you see from the conference moving forward? Is it sustained growth? Is it trying to expand in, in certain ways? How do you see the next few years for you at the league level? Well, you know, that's, that's a really interesting question. And our goal is to come out of all of this stronger than we went into this, this train wreck of a year, <laughs> for want of a better word. And so figuring out how to do that and whether it's programming we're doing in and around educationally, whether it's trying to figure out ways to keep our sports programs going, we're kind of in a, a retrenchment and rebuilding mold right now, right? Um, and so let's let's get through this year. Let's get into next year, and kaboom! Let's be ready to go. Because I, you know, I'd like to think, given what I'm reading and hearing and seeing, there is some light at the end of the tunnel. But we're seeing across all of higher education uh, this this uh, theme of retrenchment. I mean, that's that's a national theme as we look at what are we doing in higher education what are our offerings all those types of things where does intercollegiate athletics fit within it i think those are discussions we have i think we believe there's great value there but as a league we need to continue what we do and that's bringing great value uh very efficiently uh i i say time and again our folks um outperform the resources that uh, that they work with. And we have to do that to, to be where we are and do what we do. And that's the challenge we accept. We know that coming in. And so we need to continue to do so. You're listening to the Eastern Insider Podcast as we wrap up with MAC Commissioner, Dr. John Steinbrecher. And Kamish, you talked about uh, being at Ford Field last year, seeing the team run out at the Quick Lane Bowl with an Eastern green crowd at Ford Field. I've got to know. What would you rather get your hands on, the 51-pound wrench, or would you like a crack at town on the wall? <laughs> I have to give some thought to that one. <laughs> I think you could do them. I think you could do them both. And, and one other personal question for you is, you know, we've talked a lot uh, in our meetings with Jeremy Guy and some others, and something that's always come up is that when you get home from the office and, and take the sport coat off, that you like to spend some time in the kitchen. So... Got to know what are what are the top two or three uh, dishes that the commissioner of the Mac is preparing when he gets a shot. You know that's a good question. I don't do anything fancy, but I you know I I like a, a, a 
Fried potatoes, sausage, and sauerkraut. Uh, I make a pretty good bolognese sauce. I love to cook uh, Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, I had a, a. I just recently cooked my first prime rib roast, uh, which was way easier than I expected to be. I was terrified of it, but I, it's it's fun to be able to get in the kitchen and create. Well, I can certainly, I think, attest for. Greg, that if you ever need taste testers, you know, we don't just do podcasts here. We're also pretty good at, uh, at getting our, our mouths on some food. So we might have to- Outstanding. Commissioner, we appreciate your time. We, we congratulate you uh, on got, helping guide uh, the MAC through this difficult time. Football season, the, the end zone of completion is nearing uh, MAC championship ready for next week. And we congratulate you on that and best wishes as we close out this year and get into next year. So good to be with you. That's it for this edition of the Eastern Insider Podcast. Thanks for listening. For Greg Steiner, I'm Alex Jewell, reminding you to visit emueagles.com slash podcasts or go to SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you get your digital media to stay connected with us every Monday. As always, follow us on social media for the most up-to-date information on EMU Athletics.